0: Welcome along to the Big Red Benjamin and Corks of Red FM with me, Valerie Wheeler. I'm with you until 7pm. We have a lovely show for you this evening. Laura Tracy, Cork Camogie All-Star will join me to check in on how she's getting on. And she will tell us all about their fundraiser. Come on, Corkig. It's a 5k that we can all get involved in. It's only 5k. We are also going to speak to Ladies Football P.R.O. of the Year, a gent that is Peter O'Leary, Cork Ladies Football P.R.O., and does a smashing job at doing so. So we will chat about his award and his career to date. Also, Monster Rugby are in action later on. We're going to preview the game. We will hear from Johan van Graan. We're going to catch up with him ahead of tonight's game. And also, we're going to get an update from the Irish Rugby Squad. We're going to hear from Andy Farrell a little later on the show. So we have all that and more on the Big Red Bench in Red FM. Good afternoon and welcome along to the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM with me, Valerie, with you until 7 o'clock with a big big evening of shows and sport happening this evening so let's get the sports news from across the day first of all. In the Premier League today Southampton's losing run came to an end. They've drawn one all with Chelsea in the first game of the day Burnley and West Brom ended in a nil all draw at Turf Moor and since half is five this evening Liverpool and Everton are in Anfield in the Merseyside derby so Everton lead Liverpool 1-0 early in this evening's Premier League. Shane Pinnington was at Anfield for that goal.
2: Liverpool nil, Everton one and Carlo Ancelotti's side have
0: struck first in this Merseyside side derby and it was a lovely goal too. It was Hamas Rodriguez picked up the ball in midfield. He played a lovely ball straight through the heart of Liverpool's defence to find Richarlison on the edge of the box and his shot went into the left-hand bomb corner of the net giving Alisson no chance whatsoever. It's Liverpool nil. Everton 1. Thanks Shane. Right, the Toffees have failed to beat their neighbours in the league since 2010 and have not won an Anfield since 1999 so who knows what can happen there let's keep an eye on that throughout the show and at 8 o'clock tonight Fulham host Sheffield United. Uh, Turning our attention to tennis all this week uh, Japan's Naomi Osaka landed her second Australian Open tennis title earlier on today. She became the first woman since Monica Seals to win her first four Grand Slam finals after beating Jennifer Brady 6-4 to 6-3 in Melbourne. Uh, Brady was competing in her maiden slam decider. I mentioned it in rugby, Munster and Connors are both in action in Conference B of Rugby's Guinness Pro 14 this evening. Munster hold a 10 point advantage at the summit, heading to their clash with Edinburgh and Murrayfield. We will be getting a reaction or a preview of that action a little later on the show. And wing Andrew Conway starts his first game for the Reds since December with returning Ireland players Craig Casey Shane Daly, Chris Farrell are there also starting. There's a 25-8 to eight. Um, kick off there in snooker. Uh, snooker, sorry, Antrim's Jordan Brown leads Stephen McGuire's three frames to one in the Welsh Open semi-final, and the other last four class pits Mark Williams against Ronnie O'Sullivan later on this evening. Now, speaking of later on this evening, um, I know we don't have much Jane or lives but tonight at six forty-five thirty-five is the fifty-eighth PwC GPA Ga all-star awards Um, it will be an RT one a little later on I'll be keeping an eye on that but the ceremony is going to be quite different um, for a lot of reasons due to COVID the season only finished at Christmas normally the all-stars is November do you know what it is a great night I have been there for the last few years so it's strange not being there tonight and not any of the players being there to be able to accept their awards Joanne Cantwell and Marty Marcy is going to present that coverage Limerick have 14 people in the star-studded field of 45 nominations um the Treaty have their entire defensive unit, goalkeeper Nicky Quaid, Sean Finn, Dan Morrissey, Barry Nash, Dermot Barnes, Declan Hannan, Kyle Hayes. Uh, they're all represented there and there are eight counties represented in all with Munster and All-Ireland finalists. Watford strongly featured uh, with 10 players shortlisted. There's seven from Galway, um, there's five from Kilkenny. We have two from Cork, Mark Coleman and Shane Kingston and two from Tipperary. Um, then of course, the top um, individual honour is going to be contested by Grode Hegarty, Tony Kelly, and Stephen Bennett. Uh, Kelly is the only previous winner of the accolade there, and he was named Hurler and Young Hurler of the Year as a f- fresh 19 year old in 2013. So it's going to be great. Then Young Hurler of the Year, we have Kilkenny's own Cody, we have Waterford's Irla Daly, and we have Tipperary's Jake Morris. Of that, um, I just want to take this opportunity to wish Mark and Shane the very best of luck tonight up the Rebels. <laughs> Speaking of the Rebels, Cork Mogie, and Blackbee, and Jigsaw in Cork have announced their first event of 2021 Um, Come On Corkig is a virtual 5k taking place over the last weekend in February from the 26th to the 28th Uh, the profits will go of course to Corkomoga in Jigsaw Cork the aim is to reconnect them with their teammates while they're out of group training and to support the county in a fantastic service that is Jigsaw and that they do provide I caught up with Laura Tracy about two weeks ago Um, Laura welcome to the Big Red Bench Hi Valerie great to be chatting to you again it's lovely to have you. Where the last time we were chatting to you, I'd say we were we were in the first lockdown or the second lockdown. I'm confused now.
1: Yeah, I think it was the second lockdown, and like I think at that point we didn't realise how lucky we were being still able to train and play games and stuff. But um, yeah, I think this lockdown now. People are ready to come out of it, but um, we're just holding tight for for the moment. I'm probably one of the luckier ones. I've um, got my two vaccines because of work at the moment. So light is at the end of the tunnel once as as long as everybody kind of holds on in there for the moment.
0: What is it like the day you received the news you were getting your vaccine, Laura? This is amazing news. Fair play to you.
1: I know it was... um, (laughs) I suppose like it's something that I didn't even really think about. I was kind of like I knew I was going to be getting it in the work setting that I was in. Um, but I actually didn't expect to be getting it so soon. Um, we we in the in where I work, um, it's a clinic setting and we were actually closed um, over the new year period. Um, and I came back to work on the 4th of January and had an email saying that I was going to be getting the vaccine that week. And I wasn't expecting it at all. But I suppose when you find out that you're going to be getting the vaccine it gives, it gives you a bit of hope, you know, that like this is coming to the end um, and like the end is near. But just for the moment, I suppose everybody just has to keep going as they are and um, limiting their contacts and everything because... Like As we are going at the moment, I suppose the numbers are going back down, but like the vaccine and to have both doses now, like I suppose it's easier for me to be heading home and know that I'm probably more one of the safer ones to be in and around my family and um, stuff. So yeah, no, it's great.
0: Brilliant I'm delighted a uh, frontline staff you well deserve to be in the line first Laura but um, you know I think there's a lot of uncertainty maybe about the year ahead because last year we're, as you said we're lucky enough to have the games and training but for you you're not allowed to train for now and that must be difficult.
1: Yeah I'm personally finding this lockdown probably the hardest Um, I suppose last year was a long haul of a year we went back training in November um, 2019 for the 2020 season and like we were basically playing all the way up until November so it was a full like 12-13 months um, of training and the first lockdown was probably a bit of a nov you know like it was new for everybody all the baking skills came out and like everybody started doing their home workouts and stuff and it was probably a bit of a nov to keep training through the first lockdown the evenings were a bit brighter you could get out in the fresh air the weather was a bit better. Um, and like, obviously, in the second lockdown, like, it, we were so lucky to even for the year to go ahead. You know, we were still playing games, we played with our clubs. Like, the year actually came to a finish. Um, this lockdown's probably been the hardest one. Um, the evenings are darker. You know, people are really, really struggling this time around. Um, they want to be out and about they want to be meeting their families um and even just as a tra- in a training perspective like thinking about komogi is probably it's a tough one to be thinking about at the moment just because last year was such a whirlwind of a year like it went it kind of went from is it going ahead to is it not and then it ended up going ahead and we played week in week out club wise and county wise so like it was a very busy year thinking back and like I obviously enjoyed my little break there over Christmas and um like this this week we've actually just literally started um to get stuff off off our coaches um with Cork um to be doing so we're kind of getting back into the the swing of things now at the moment but it this lockdown I think has been tough on everybody it's the dark evenings and stuff really don't help. And I think people are just ready for, for COVID to be gone now at this point.
0: Yeah, you said you're finding it tough, Laura. And, you know, it's it's horrible to hear that people are finding it tough. But is there anything you do to try and keep yourself occupied and to keep that positivity there?
1: Yeah, I suppose a few things that I just tried to do. Um, like I actually bought weights and stuff in the first lockdown um to try and keep my my gym stuff um keep me tipping over. So I suppose I have them now and I was trying to tip away at some home gym workouts. Um I try to get out in the air every day and um, be it at my lunchtime in work just to go for a walk outside the hospital just to get some air or in the evening. Um, I'm living in Cork City, so I'm able to maybe walk down by the marina. It's well lit up, you know, or through Cork City even and just listen to podcasts try to take yourself away from all the negative news I suppose a lot of the media at the moment is is about like COVID and how high the numbers are and deaths and stuff so I suppose I'm just trying to keep myself away from the negativity um, I deal with COVID every day inside and work or whatever you know we're wearing full PP and everything so it's just to take a step back from the whole COVID thing and try and um, to get a bit of positivity in through podcasts be like or um, just listening to music and just getting out in the fresh air I think um, has been massive over the past maybe six or eight weeks
0: brilliant no it's great and that's some nice advice for anyone I think podcasts are a great way to just kind of switch off I know I love my I love my podcast going on a walk as well whether it be like something funny or serious or crime or anything I love sometimes I think it's the worst part but I'm um, I listen to a lot of crime podcasts when I'm walking and I'm like I shouldn't be because I feel like I'm going to be murdered <laughs>
1: yeah 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 in the day yeah somebody coming around <laughs> and jump from behind or something I know but no they're great they're, they are great they um, they just take the mind away be it a 40 minute laugh or something serious but it's to think about something else I suppose we've been bombarded for the last 11-12 months with Covid now at this point and it's just to keep, keep a bit of positivity and keep something different going on inside your head.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's great. But we're back to the Camogie. And you know, you probably had a bit of a disappointing end to last year, but as you said, you're kind of, you're getting the, you know, the road going now again. You're kind of getting some work from the coaches, maybe. And, uh, Poddy's decided to stay on as well. So you've a great background team around you as well, Laura. So I've no doubt that you'll be up there thereabouts then again this year.
1: Yeah, like I suppose um, Poddy got ratified there I think it was a week or two ago and um, he's a like a brilliant background team in with him again um, he always gets the best of people in fairness um, Kevin Murray's back in he was our hurling coach Um Uh, not last year but the year before last for a few years Um, and he's outstanding he knows most of the girls that are there you know Um, we have a new strength and conditioning coach it's nice to have a a few faces inside there as well Matthew Toomey um, Teddy O'Donovan and stuff they would have been involved and like they know a lot of the girls as well and um, they know Komogi inside out I suppose they would always be at club games and everything so a few new faces in this year Um, it's nice to have a few new faces in few freshen things up you know um new voices shouting at you or giving advice or whatever so yeah no in fairness to poddy he has a brilliant background team and um yeah we've started back as you said just this week we started getting a few bits and um just to get the show on the road again i stuff and start and start tipping over ourselves out for a few runs or whether it's home circuit training or whatever it might be but um it's nice to have a bit of routine i suppose back in your weeks and stuff as well
0: Brilliant, great. We're all very excited that um, we'll be able to get to see you play when that is, when that happens and when it is safe to do so. But the reason you're on chatting to me tonight in the big red bench is because you have a fundraiser. It's called Come On Corky. Can you tell us a bit about it? You're trying to raise vital funds and fair play Chi?
1: Yeah, I suppose this idea um, for Come On Kirky was a joint effort um, uh. It's Louise and Mairead. Um, they are two new faces inside in our county board um, this year, um, and they decided to set up a virtual um, five-kilometer. Um, it's a run or a walk, basically, um, and it's for all age groups. Um, Louise has told me that there's there's people who have registered who are five years all years of age, all the way up to ninety. Nora um, oh. Newman is ninety years of age, and um, she's Mary Newman. Mary would have. Um, a lot to do with Cork and stuff and we'll be highly involved with Cork It's her mom, So we've a wide variety of ages involved at the moment um, and registered with us um, for this virtual five kilometre walk or run. Um, I suppose, as you said, it's to raise vital funds for um, Jigsaw and Cork um, and for Cork as well. Um, like Jigsaw and Cork, they, they're... Um, a mental health um, support service basically for young people um, aged between 12 and 25 years living in Cork um, or studying or working in Cork even. um, And they're there all the time, um, as a support service for young people, I suppose, and Corkamogi have worked very close with them over the past few years. Um, I'm aware that they put on like um, workshops, um, highlighting how coaches and mentors can make a difference in a player's life and stuff. So, Corkamogi and Jigsaw have have a history, I suppose, over the past few years, um, and. We're just honoured, I suppose, to be to be raising vital funds for, for such a brilliant charity um, while trying to create um, a few funds for Quarkamogi as well ourselves. Brilliant. That's great.
0: I will share the details up online at the Big Red Bench Twitter just if anyone does want to sign up. I think I've no excuses now, Laura. I need to sign up myself <laughs> and get on this 5K buzz that everyone else is.
1: Yeah, I suppose I know people have done a lot of five Ks over over lockdown over the past twelve months, but I suppose it's for it's for such a great um a great charity and um it's just to get out and about again. I suppose um it's happening between the twenty sixth and the twenty eighth of February. It's so it's over a weekend and it's just to get people out in the fresh air and get people moving for that weekend or whatever. So um yeah, if people can at all um. If anyone is interested, I know that they can find the link as well. Thanks for sharing it on Red FM. But they can also find it on the Cork Moby Facebook or Instagram pages as well. So, um, no, support would be greatly appreciated um, and for uh, a fantastic cause.
0: Brilliant, Laura. Thanks as always for coming on. I will share the details of the walk and I'm looking forward to it because I'll always support Cork Camogie. I'm a Cork woman at heart. So um, <laughs> we, we won't tell the other counties that I'm always rooting for you. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's Thanks, this. Valerie. In here in Cork, I can. Thanks as always, Laura, for joining us on the Big Red Bench. Thanks, Valerie. Chat to you soon. Cork All Star Laurie Tracy chatting to us about come on Egg. so give your give the girls your support. Head over to Cork Comoge, we'll be sharing it on the Big Red Bench. Now, from Comoge to Ladies Football, Cork Ladies uh, Gaelic Football Association P.R.O. of the Year joins us on the Big Red Bench this week after being honoured for a very special award recently. Peter O'Leary, welcome to the Big Red Bench.
2: Thanks so much for having me, Valerie.
0: Peter, how have you been? It's been a rough year for a lot of people. How are you finding lockdown?
2: Uh, sure, I suppose like everyone else, it's not, uh, not the greatest thing at the moment, but I suppose, you know, you'd be hoping that there's, that there's an end in sight, but with the news that came there during the week, it's not looking like that's going to happen too much either, so it's, people are finding it tough and I suppose they're missing the sport, anyone that's involved in sport is missing it, and I suppose while you know that there's, there's bigger problems out there at the moment and, and people are sick, etc, I think you know, you'd be hoping that they might allow the sport back at, at some stage when it's when it's safe to do so, you know.
0: Yeah, because I know it was a lovely, you know, escape for a lot of people last year. I know people weren't able to go to the games, but people were able to watch them online. People were able to see games being streamed and being um, broadcast on TV. And now to have nothing, it's it's just a very strange time.
2: Yeah, there's a, no doubt of it whatsoever. I think in the second lockdown, the, the games, I, I think even people that mightn't have been supporters at the beginning of the lockdown probably ended up being supporters before Christmas because it kept people going over the weekends because you used to have matches on Saturdays and Sundays. And even for myself, when I was about in the backroom team with the seniors, you know, I was... It was very strange heading to Pro Park for an island, finding the Sunday before Christmas. But it was it was a lovely feeling as well, obviously not so great afterwards when we got beaten. But I mean, it, it was something that kept people going and I suppose they had Christmas to look forward to as well. But I think maybe in this lockdown, there doesn't seem to be, you know, a huge amount of, of, of things to be looking forward to at the moment. So it's, I think people are finding it definitely tougher. And obviously anyone that is involved in sport, whether playing or, or management or backroom team side of it, is, is obviously missing it hugely as well, you know.
0: And you yourself, Peter, I mean, you're so heavily involved And for you not to be able to be going to the games or going to a night's training. How are you personally finding it?
2: Uh, I'm fairly bored, i no, being on honest with you, I suppose, like I'm lucky enough, I'm one of the lucky people, and I'm still working with my employers, and um, I suppose that keeps me going during the daytime, but... You know, you're, you're just going straight from work back to home, while normally you'll be going out the door and it'd be a case of you'd be trying to catch a match or catch a training or go to a training session or help out with something. And it's, uh, yeah, the, I suppose the downtime is very strange because there's, there's nothing to do, while normally, I suppose, when the football season starts, even in January or February, it's the National League, it's, it's full on and there is no downtime. And you're dealing with reporters and you're dealing with players and you're dealing with people that you mightn't really want to be dealing with half the time. But, um, you know, you even miss that now as well. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's it's strange, but I suppose it's strange for everyone. As I said earlier, I suppose there's, there's people worse after, there's people who are sick and it's, um, you know, you've got to keep things in perspective as well.
0: There is people that are unaware of maybe the work that the PRO might do for the county. Peter, you always seem to be on the go and you seem to keep that Twitter page updated. I've never seen anyone to update a Twitter page like you, but people forget the amount of work being involved in a PRO of a county.
2: Yeah, I suppose, look, there's always been a workload on the job, I suppose, Valerie, but I suppose in the last 12 months it's probably been you know, magnified even further because of, of what has been going on and the fact that people can't go to matches and I suppose, you know, they miss out on that and they're looking for their, their updates and their team news and a bit of and I suppose, a bit of scandal and, a bit of fun and they're looking for their match quick match reports and i suppose yeah there's a huge amount of there's a huge amount of work involved in it that way but i suppose when you're when you're involved in it like i am and maybe for as long as i am i suppose i don't really see it as as work even though there's a few days all right that you'd like to catch the phone and throw it in the bin maybe and walk away and leave it there but um you would eventually come back and take it back out again anyway but it's um yeah look at there is there is a lot of work in it and i suppose we tried over the the winter months very unsuccessfully to try and get a replacement for me. And um, a couple of people even hung up on me because they knew why I was ringing them. So I suppose we'll have to try and we'll have to go a bit better this year, I suppose, and try and so off someone some way. But it's, uh, yeah, look, there is a lot of work. But it's it's, it's important that the girls get, get, I suppose, acknowledged and get plenty of credit and plenty of um, exposure. And I think that's important that it's not just the inter-county players as well. And I suppose that's why maybe the, the Twitter page is going maybe flat out at times because there's so many club games going on and I think it's hugely important that the, the club players and the perceived lower grades get as much acknowledgement as the, the club players in the, in the senior, you know.
0: Let's go back before you became Piero. I mean, you've been involved for ladies football for quite some time. Can you remember your first involvement with it? How long ago you speaking?
2: <laughs> uh, my first involvement was in zero five. 5 um, I got cornered in the, the Greyhound track outside in Corraheen by a gang of footballers from Balivourne, who had no coach, and uh, we adjourned to. local watering hole in Washington Street and by the time I left there I was after getting the job of Niamh coach and uh, it was actually a great year we had great fun um, and of course like my, my very very limited knowledge of, of Irish probably made it much more fun for them than it was for me but it was great crack and then I got involved with Cork Juniors in 05 and we headed up to Limerick for our first uh, match and I suppose it's, it shows the difference knowing that we had no bus going up or down no food no gear, the girls wore their own shorts and socks and um, we managed to locate a set of jerseys on the day of the game. I always remember we had no jerseys the morning of the match and we got absolutely hammered the same evening and I remember coming back down the road saying I was finished with this and we played Claire two weeks later in Bell and, and um Claire were the favourites to win the dollar and we lost by point and we kind of knew that we had we had to make things of a decent team, so we, myself and Father Terry O'Brien, who was the manager at the time, and and Nola Connor from from I ended up, I suppose, partnering for a lot of coaching in the in the future years. And um, we took the girls out and we fed them ourselves because we had the, the ball, just didn't have money, and uh, we had a good night. And we decided that we were going to go back training for the championship the following year, and we actually went back before Christmas. And we stayed training throughout the winter and they changed uh, they changed the championships to the senior B then from junior and we went on and we won I suppose three in a row. I was the coach in zero seven and it was the manager in eight and nine and then I was also involved with the with the senior age was under a. and then Noel had moved up to the seniors at the time as I'm sure. I mean they were just fantastic days because you got to work with obviously to great men himself, but the girls who were who were fantastic. And I know you had a great tribute programme on there a few weeks ago and you were talking to some of the girls, but you know, they were they were superb people to deal with and superb people to even just watch playing. So I, I feel very very privileged to have been involved in and I suppose I took a break then and I headed over to where my mum was from in Watford and I took on the Watford job in two thousand and eleven. And we won the Monster Championship in the last quarter final to Kevin in a game we probably should have won really. And then I went back coaching at the club in Killer, and we were lucky enough to win a few things there. And then we got a phone call to go to Tipperary, and I said, no, Absolutely no way was I was going up to Tipperary anyway. And um, I, I suppose I, I got a couple more phone calls, and I said, I'd go up for an evening to have a look. And that was the week of my birthday, I actually, remember it was November, and I uh, kept coming after that, and we won the Monster and we lost the National League final by points after replay and we lost the All-Earn semi-final very heartbreakingly by point in a game that we were actually robbed in because we won't go into it but we were. And uh thankfully they went on the following year and won the all they were they were a fantastic bunch of players as well. And I suppose then they came back and they got involved and started the under thirteens. And um the first day that we started actually there was a man from Carigoline came along and helped us out when we actually had no help. And that's Mark O'Hehir, and sadly he passed away last year. So I'd just like to to mention him as well. And um, we got that up and running. We won the Under fourteen All blitz, and then we following year we won the fourteen All and And uh, I suppose I was leaving the hotel in Wallstone Park one night, and the, the chairman, the then chairman Robbie Smith, and myself had tried very hard to get a PRO for a few months because we couldn't get one. And um, we kind of knew that we needed to get one because the the exposure for the game was probably maybe lacking in a year or two because the PR that had been there at the past had had uh, left the job. So I got cornered and ran the car park, and Robbie told me I'd have to take the job. So I thought I was after getting away with it. I was just getting into the car. I always remembered he called me back. And um, I just, there was no one else to take it on at the moment. So I suppose I'm stuck with it for this year anyway, Valerie. <laughs>
0: You had amazing success and medals and monster titles as a coach. And I know you're a referee and I'm, I'm often wondering where you find the time to do all of this. But for you, which one of those kind of achievements stands
2: out the most? Jeez, you don't ask too easy questions anyway. Uh, um, look, I suppose there's, there's different things kind of suppose, stand out for different reasons. You know, I suppose like if I go more recent, I suppose winning the under-14 Ireland with those girls was fantastic because you know Dominic Dominic um, Gallagher from Mornaby who's now in the senior management and Louise Phelan from from Yale and myself I suppose started out, you know, we didn't even know the players' names and they didn't know each other and then they went 12 months later and won an Ireland so, you know, that's that's a great um a great thing. Obviously all the days with the seniors are, are fantastic because you know, with the senior leagues we had, we had great, we trained very hard but we enjoyed ourselves as well after the matches they were a, they were a good social group to be fair to them, Um I suppose the senior is you know obviously when you look back and got the chance to walk under him and to watch him first hand was was something that will always be uh, always be treasured and I suppose the the refereeing side which most of the players keep telling me that I should kind of because I'm so busy I should forget about the refereeing which is gently telling me to give it up like but, um I I suppose I enjoyed refereeing the senior county final it was the the one final that I was missing I suppose from the to CV and I suppose I enjoyed obviously, I enjoyed working with, with Watford as well because you know, I got to work with a girl there who was involved with us as well. And sadly, she was killed um, near the following year in a car crash. So, it was, um, she's someone who had a huge influence on me as well, and someone who I uh, often think about. So, I suppose for different reasons, there's, um. There's different things that stand out. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't pick one over the other because I think all the players that I've been involved in and that I've been privileged enough to be involved in have have given equal amount of time and equal amount of effort and I suppose that's why I feel at club level and Cork the, the different grades need to be represented because I think some people think because players are from different clubs or different grades or different counties that they give less time and less effort and it couldn't be further from the truth because I mean my own, my own um, experiences, from working with the Waterford and Tip girls is they give just as much time and effort as as the Cork girls did, and um, you know whether it's just population or lack of players or or whatever the case may be, it's probably just the one reason that they're mm. that when I was with them they weren't senior, but of course they they both counties are now, so it's it's great to see them at the top table as well. You know, it's have a soft spot for the two of them, I suppose.
0: Yeah, it's hard not to, I know, even though Cork is where you're at, but you were honoured recently for all your hard work, Peter. And I, I mean, like, it was, it was great to get. And um, P.R.O. of the Year. What an athlete to now. I feel like there's nothing you haven't received at this stage, is there?
2: Uh, well, I don't know. There's, there's six inches between a pat in the back and a kick in the backside. So I suppose <laughs> that's that's probably coming along fairly soon too, I'd say. Uh, uh, no, look, I mean, it, it's it's probably something since it's been awarded to me. I've probably looked on it and I probably enjoyed it a bit more than what I did when it was announced because I, I genuinely and, and, you know, very much genuinely feel that awards like this are kind of for players. And I'm much happier in the background, kind of, you know, as fits a, a team environment. I suppose I take it back to to when the under 14s day, I won the the team of the month for the. The Rebel Oak Red FM team in the there and it was uh, we had a fantastic night in the in the Rostone Park, and it was just great to see the the young players. You know, we made a first seven. Mm-hmm. They got the chance to get dressed up and get their photos and their Instagrams and everything else. And while they were only they were only under 14s you know, and it goes all the way up to senior. I just I prefer to to see the players winning those sort of things. But look, it's not disrespecting our our playing what well, I got him delighted to have won it. And I suppose it's it's a huge honour and it's um it's something that I suppose I, I can add on to the CV and, and something that I'll, uh, I look back on in time I suppose the mother will be given out to me because she'll have to be dusting it down again I suppose with all the rest of the stuff but um she'll be alright, she'll get over that too but uh, ah, yeah, look Valerie it's, it's nice but I suppose also just to mention which there's a lot of very good club PROs who have now become active quite a bit over the last maybe two or three years I and mean, I'm certainly not going to say it's because I took over the county PROs job they became active but I suppose like, like we said a while ago in the last 12 months clubs have just actually had to get active because you have people who are living at home in maybe rural areas who would normally go to the field for their social activity or meet their their kids don't meet their grandkids and watch them playing and now they're stuck at home and they, they obviously miss that hugely and I think the clubs have have stepped up to the mark massively in, in in their social media side of it as well. And I mean if they weren't feeding media information um for an awful lot of it then obviously our our social media platforms wouldn't be going as well as they as they as they probably are at the present time.
0: Yeah, this year isn't turning out to be too great either, I know, and you might have an even bigger job in your hands this year, Peter, and I know you're shaking your head now for listeners that can't see this, Peter has his head in his hands, I feel like he, he knows the workload, that's true.
2: <laughs> yeah, I suppose, like, this time last year, we were, I, I saw a memory come up on, on I don't know, it was all the farmers' Instagram page or something there was about the day that they played in Parky Creeve, and... Um, Sure, it, was, it was manic or at least I thought it was manic the week before the amount of stuff we had to get organised for little did I know that that was probably one of the easiest games that we'd have to organise all year with the of stuff and you know you were kind of saying at the beginning of this year that geez, you know two more months now we'll be back to we'll be back to small but in our managing maybe in the workload won't be as great but uh, I'd say the way things are looking I actually think we're I don't know, I think the, the club scene I suppose is looking like we kind of had hoped that it might be going before the Intercounty then we were told it wasn't and I think the last week or so there was a bit of steam gathering behind that again but I was from the announcement that was made earlier in the week it's it's looking now like the Intercounty is going to go first and the club is going to be secondary which means it's going to be fairly fairly tight time-wise with the amount of clubs we have in Cork and the ladies football and then you'll have the camogie obviously those girls have to be accommodated too and then you'll you'll have the footballers and the hurlers and I mean I suppose the the biggest drawback we have is that we relate on on those clubs to give us use of facilities both Camogie and Ladies Football and I suppose your you're trying to build your fixtures around yeah. obviously cock chase fixtures and they're going to be under fierce pressure as well so it's going to be um, fairly manic so if you see me handing you the phone at some stage during the year you know that I'm, I'm passing you on the job as well Valerie <laughs> there'll no
0: or if you don't answer the phone I'm looking for interviews Peter I'll know i know the phone that,
2: that would probably, be, that would probably <laughs> be much more like it I would imagine yeah <laughs> Well, Peter. Look, in the, in the road, so. uh,
0: congratulations on the award. It's absolutely amazing. And everything you have achieved. It's so wonderful to be able to talk to you on the bench. But before I let you go, I think it would only be fair at, at the chat, at the time, I didn't get a chance to speak to you about Eamon Ryan's passing. And we did have a nice tribute show for him. And I know <coughs> that probably wasn't easy for a lot of people either, but it probably affected yourself as well. Cause I did know, I think you found out the day that Eamon had passed that you'd won the award.
2: Yeah, it was um I was actually I was at home, I was off uh, at the time I was off from work and I was actually cleaning the car and I got a phone call to say that Eamon had passed away and um obviously it was um wasn't the greatest phone call in the world to be taking even though we knew that I suppose it was coming due to to his illness and and I suppose he had deteriorated sadly since, you know, before Christmas. Um, And then I got the email about 20 minutes later to tell me it was after winning this award so I suppose that was seriously just packed up and left there. Ashiloh came and was was fantastic and I suppose there's nothing I can say is going to justify, you know, what the man did but I suppose all I could say to bottom is that I suppose he's he's wondered if the, the people who probably. I suppose fostered my love of ladies' football in the sense that you go to trainings and you'd see the effort and the work that the players used to put in. And, and this man outside in the middle and all he was doing was, was downplaying what he was doing himself and saying that his training sessions were boring and saying that it was all to do with the players. Well, of course, in fact, you know, obviously it was as much to do with him as it was to do with the players. And he wouldn't like to hear that and he'd like to be sending the praise to the players. And that's the way he walked in, in fair play. But I think, you know, you couldn't, you can't mention that team from the you know, into the mid teens without mentioning Eamon and obviously you had the likes of Frankie who soldiered along with him all the ways as well. But you know, Eamon was um he was a remarkable man and obviously as much as we all miss him and, and the players miss him like his his family obviously and his sons and daughters and grandparents and obviously his wife Pat miss him miss him hugely and I just like to take my own opportunity to pass on my condolences to them all publicly. So um, yeah he's a huge loss and um but I suppose look, I suppose man, if he had been ill and he'd been sick and been suffering, then it's it's maybe it's better that he's that he's not that way any anymore. Maybe.
0: Yeah, well, thanks so much for the, the talking to us today. Um, sometimes these things can't be easy, you know. And we did have a lovely show for him, so if anyone missed out on it is yes. podcasting online meet some amazing <laughs> guests. We so highly of him and Peter. Congratulations! I look forward to working with you again this year and I you for interviews once the games are back. Stop shaking your head. <laughs> Thanks, no
2: Emil, for going that. on the bench. No problem, Valerie. Thanks very much.
0: Peter Leary chatting to me after he received a lovely award recently PRO of the Year from everybody, all the counties in Ireland. So congratulations to Peter again. Right, on the way after these, we're going to have preview the monster game and, of course, check in with the Ireland squad this week. The Big Red bet Saturday and Sunday from six pm. Welcome back to the Big Red Bench and Quarks Red FM. It's me, Valerie Wheeler, with you until seven o'clock. Now there may not be international rugby this weekend, but the Pro 14 marches on. A monster in Scotland this evening to take on Edinburgh. And here is Coach Johan van Graan ahead of tonight's fixture, chatting to the media during the week.
3: Look, Edinburgh firstly is a, is a quality side. We, we've, we've had some big battles with them over the over the last few years. Uh, they currently are nineteen points, and they, they've played a game less and. Uh, this will be a, a, a big game for them, uh, as it will be for for us. Uh, so they're very much alive in in this competition, um, and we are under no illusions as to what awaits us at at Murrayfield. Um, you now, Cockers is a, is a, a very good coach and a, and a good rugby friend of of ours. And um, you now, like I said, uh, it'll be a big battle on, on Saturday evening, and then back to Benetton. Um, you know, we, we took what of what we could out of that game. The most important is is the win. Uh, like I said on the night, uh, we started that game well for big parts. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't a performance that we will remember. But the most important thing was was uh, the last three plays of the game, uh, the composure that we showed, winning that penalty, going for touch, winning the line out, keeping the ball, and then you now uh,
4: kicking that drop goal when it mattered. Can you just give us an idea of what Joey's actually doing? Obviously, increasing truck training loads sounds great. What does it actually mean in sort of practical terms? What's he able to do now?
3: So, look, uh, obviously, he's in the, in the gym uh, with, with the rest of the lads on his, on his individual program. Uh, you know, he's uh, working hard with the medical team one on one, so there's a lot of one on one time that, that goes into him. And then, you know, physically in the session is in certain sessions in the week, uh, actually training with the team, whether that be attack or the fence or, or backs or, or kicking game. Um, you know, and, and, you know, we, we started at a, at a first to get his base right and, and now increasing the time that he's is, that is on pitch and you now increasing, you know, whether it's kicking or whether it's actually running meters, uh, the speed at, at uh, which he runs, the volume, and then the, the physical contact. So, He's got all elements uh, of training uh, that he's currently going through. And look, uh, everything that uh, he's been doing has gone really well. Um, and uh, look, he's, he's mentally and physically in a, in a very good place. And like I've said before, Joe is a, a very important player for Munster. Um, that's why why we got him here. And, uh, you know, obviously for, for the national team as well. And um, that's why, you know, we'll make sure that we look after him very well. It's like all the pressure off him, and, and once he's 100% ready to go, I'll select him.
4: Yeah, that that really, really positive. It's great to hear. He must be sort of buzzing himself. I know you've said he's been really positive throughout the whole thing, but I guess he's probably even more kind of itching at the moment, I would imagine. Even judging from the pictures of training, he's got a smile on his face. No, look,
3: Joe is a, an incredible human being. Um, you know is a is a very popular guy in the squad and uh, you know even for the squad it, it was a big lift to see him in in certain parts of, of training And Joey is a, is a pro um you know he's, he's obviously very excited to to play rugby but uh, you know he, he knows once he, he returns he, he obviously's got to get back into the Munster team and you know uh, like I've said earlier in in, in the conference uh, we've got big dreams and you know once he's in, uh, he's going to, you know, fight for, for his spot. Uh, there's been some good performances with guys in his position. And, um, you know, then excited to actually go and play some rugby because that's ultimately what it is, 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 is a rugby player. And he's, he's really looking forward to play some rugby when the time is right.
4: Yeah, just finally, just kind of on that point about when the time is right. I know you guys have been like super cautious, which is totally understandable. when you see someone like... Um, Dan levy yesterday who suffered a recurrence of his knee injury unfortunately is now going to be out for for four months. Is that like a reminder of how patient you have to be with guys who do suffer these long-term injuries?
3: Yeah again I think it's a, it's a really good point uh, you know obviously I don't know what, what happened with Dan and I, I wish him all the best He's a, he's a fantastic rugby player. Um, I still remember that try that he scored back in 2017 uh, against us, um, and it has been phenomenal for for Irish rugby. And uh, you know, uh, it's it's a good reminder that we are playing a contact sport, and um, you know that's why why players love playing the sport. Um, but you you also get injuries and. Um, you know your your highs are very high, but your lows are very low, and and unfortunately, injury is one of the things that that happens to most rugby players. And you know it's a, it's again a reminder for all of us that uh, we don't want to see players uh, getting injured, but because it's a contact sport, players will get injured. And you know to your point, yeah, you've got to be so careful when when you you rehab players, and you know. Uh, make the best possible decisions for for them and, and their careers. And, um, you know, all credit to uh, the RFU and to the Munster medical team that have looked after Joey exceptionally well over you know, the last 14 months. And uh, everybody's bought into the plan. And, uh, you know, once he takes the field, I think it'll be credit to everybody involved, but most important to Joey. Okay, you mentioned that the number of out-haves you guys
2: have there. And when Joey does come back, it'll be a lovely... Extra layer to that problem,
4: quote unquote. But you look at a guy like Jack Crowley who was playing in the A game last Friday, how do you go about getting a guy like Jack more game time and progressing his
2: career when you have this this great choice of out halves at the club?
3: Oh look, the most important thing is you do your succession planning and uh, you now Munster has done really well to bring through Jack Crowley, Jack Flannery and, and Ben Healy. Um, you know, and we've got a plan with with all of those individuals. You know, currently JJ uh, is on number one flyer and he's, he's played really well over the last couple of weeks. And um, you now you've got Ben Ely who's, who's put in some phenomenal performances. Uh, you know, so you know, when Joey does come back, all five know that, uh, you know, they, they're fighting for two spots in, in the team and you know, some of them can play different positions. But you now uh, we've got a longer term plan no, the specifically the three young guys mentioned, Jack, Jake, and Ben, will will play a huge part over the coming years for for Munster Rugby, and they've bought in into the plan. And you know that's that's the most important. It's it's the individuals uh, all pulling their weight together for the team, and and
2: credit to all of them who are currently doing that. Is, is there a case like given we've only four provincial teams, Johan, and if you have four or five out halves at a club? Is there a case for maybe one or two guys, not just in Munster, but elsewhere, having a loan period abroad somewhere, maybe a year in, in Pro D2 even or something? Or, you know, do we, do we need to do we need to get these guys a bit more game time at a younger age maybe sometimes?
3: Oh, Brendan, I'm not going to speculate on on a comment like that. Uh, we've got a very good Irish system, uh, you know, with four very well-aligned provinces with... Uh, uh, the RFU and um, you know at the end of the day, uh, you've got to do what's the best for the club, uh, what's the best for Irish rugby, and do what's the best for the
4: player. Can you just ask about Andrew Conway? We haven't seen him for a couple of months. Obviously, he was named in the Ireland squad. Now he's released back. Is is he good to go? You know, fully fit, or what's the situation there?
3: Yeah, Andrew uh, has really trained well the the last few days with us. Uh, he, he's ready to go and. Uh, now, if selected on the weekend, I'm sure he'll play a big role. Um, he's done really well. Uh, he's fit. Um, he's excited to play. And like I said, if selected, um, we'll see him on Saturday night.
4: Can I just ask you, Johan, also about the challenges in terms of the fact the club game is closed down at the moment. Obviously, you had the A game last weekend, but just in terms of. You know, lack of game time for the academy guys, the impact it's going to have maybe on your intake of academy players, you know, in the summer. Just the fact that there's no club game, no competitive games for those guys, how how difficult is that? The first thing to
3: say is uh, worldwide, we are in this pandemic. So, you know, we've just got to adapt accordingly. Obviously, for for the individuals, there's, there's frustration and that's why we're trying, trying to play as, as much as, as we can these A games and, and you'll see a few more over the, over the coming weeks. In terms of, of intake, I'm sure it's what all sport teams are, are struggling with worldwide, whether it's rugby or football or the NFL, whatever sport it is, uh, you know you, you've just got to trust your system. Um, there's no other way at this stage. Um, and uh, at Munster we just uh, you how know, we said, uh, adapt and, and that's what we, we, we're we currently trying to do uh, with what we're allowed to do. And, you know, fair play to the players. A lot of them were so excited to to get out and play. Uh, friend and I spoke at halftime in, in the Connacht game. Obviously, it was nice for the two of us to, to just watch the game. We said both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, everybody's just excited, uh, though very rusty, to play some rugby. So it was good. You know that uh, you know a lot of the Munster and the corner players at least got a, another game under their belt, and hopefully we can play a few more under under these circumstances to afford guys game time and, and look assist them in their development because you can train as much as you like, but you you can't replicate a game situation. And uh, you know uh, it was good to have that last Friday.
4: Last one for me, Johan. Just in terms of the Heineken Champions Cup, have you any update in terms of? scheduling or structure of the remainder of the competition or, or where that's at at the moment? No,
3: column I know as much as you do. Um, I think you might know more than me. Uh, the only thing that I know currently is the next date for European rugby is that weekend of the 3rd of April. And, you know, the, the same thing as I, I've said before, uh, you know, the fact that we won two um, or two games that we've played uh, puts us in a very good position you know, whatever EPCR comes up with, we're just excited that we're still in in the Champions Cup, and you know, whether it's it's pool games or a round of sixteen or whatever it is, we're we're just looking forward to play some Champions Cup rugby again. And we've put ourselves in in, in a position by beating Quins at home and, and Claremont away to to still play in the competition, and that's uh, that's all that we can control. And you know, like I said, wh- whatever comes our way, we'll adapt and and enjoy it when it comes. Just wondering about your opponents this weekend. What are you expecting from them? And I wonder, are you a bit surprised with their their
5: run of results this year? I think they've only four wins in the competition. Uh,
3: if you if you look at the pool we're playing, in, I think people are underestimating the quality of this pool. There's a lot of very good teams in in this pool, and you now we've had one or two games that we've won in the last minute, and and some teams have lost games in in the last minute, and and that's just the way that that sport goes. Um, I think the the Scottish Welsh test match is a is a very good example of it. So. Edinburgh is a, a quality team. We played them in the European quarterfinal uh, two seasons ago. They beat us in Cork uh, a year ago. So it'll definitely be a, a battle on Saturday night. Uh, a quality team. Uh, you know we know exactly what's coming, and, and so do they. And um, you know a lot of respect for for their coaching staff and and you know what they've done with that team. and a lot of big names. I mean, Bill Mata is uh, one of the very best players in, in the world. They've got a very specific way of of, of playing that kicking game of theirs of, of 9 and 10. You know what's coming, but you've got to stop that. Uh, very aggressive defence. Um, you know, some of the players there I, I, I've coached before, um, you know, like like Schumann, uh, Incredibly physically guy, good scrum, so you know that, that it's just a good rugby team and uh, it'll be a tough battle on, on Saturday night and I imagine it'll be a very close game that can go any way.
0: The action gets underway there at Murrayfield Stadium at at 7.35 now for the Ireland squad with consecutive losses to Wales and France their championship hopes at this year's Six years Nations are all all but over there are no games this weekend but the boys in green are turning their attention to the clash with Italy and Rome next Saturday Um, here's Andy Farrell ahead of that game I'm just wondering after
3: two rounds of the Six Nations Championship how concerned are you at the attack side of the game it just seems that there's a kind of a lack of a cutting edge there at the moment
5: um, to say I'm concerned, uh, um, obviously we'd be stating the stating the obvious regarding uh, the points that we scored lately. Um, but where we where we're going, certainly behind the scenes and what we've seen over over some of the games, Corky, over over the last year, uh, I'm pretty confident in, in, in where we are going.
0: And in terms of your
3: approach, particularly for the Italian game, that's the one we're going to focus on. Um, you know, there has been some suggestions that, that maybe um, some of the, the less experienced players should get a chance, but, but from your point of view, uh, how are you going to approach uh, a match like that?
5: Um, I'll do what's right for the team and uh, what's right for the team is, is making sure that we get the best performance um, out of them. Um, we will pick the, the strongest side that, that we need to to, to, to make that happen.
4: Just wondering in the aftermath of the match, Ireland had scored kind of 10 points in a row and we were in what, two points of winning at the,
3: at the end and the statistics were in Ireland's favour. After looking at the review, did you have a different picture of it and maybe it didn't seem so much wanted to sit the way, you know, if Ireland had taken their chances, but equally if France had taken their chances, it, it might have looked like a, a different game.
5: Yeah, I suppose you do have to watch every game, don't you, to uh, to uh, to understand it properly? Because the statistics uh, uh, don't usually tell the the, the full story. Um, I thought I thought in summary, we uh, I thought we controlled the game pretty well um, in the first half. Um, obviously, the conditions didn't look like it on TV, but um, uh, it was pretty pretty wet out there to start with. Uh, so I thought we controlled the game pretty well and. I thought it was quite a quite a bit of good play, and obviously not perfect. But on, after 23 minutes, you know, we we've we we've possibly had an opportunity to go 10 nil up. Uh, is that a different game from from there on in? It, it, it possibly is. Um, I think we lost a little bit of that control, certainly at the start of the second half, and we continued to try and chase the game a little bit instead of putting the ball in front of our forwards, whether that's wrong kick, or pass. Um, I thought we uh, we managed the game not quite as uh, as strongly as we could have done in, in in that second half, and and therefore didn't create as many chances as we possibly would have hoped. When you're talking about the importance you place on the Italy match,
4: there's a lot of coaches from say, England and Wales and South Africa and other countries that don't talk in terms of the the next game. They kind of see a bigger picture. Are you confident that's the right approach? That all the eggs should go, should go in the basket
5: for this Italy match or can you afford to take a, a bigger view well you always take a bigger view you, you you always do that in the, in the forefront of your mind but you, you you certainly have to concentrate on the here and now um, I think if we, if we look at the context of, of what's what's happening for is we've got to, we've got to look at the balance of our squad and game time that people's had and what's coming up with the follow week and then another game and then another follow week and some of these guys might have not played for five or six weeks etc so there's all sorts of things that has to come into it but the first and fo- the uh, first and foremost for me is doing what's right for the squad thanks Sandy. could you just
4: tell us there's any injuries or how to up the squad is
5: um, yeah the, the health's uh, pretty good coming back into this one or two lads with just uh, bangs and bruises but nothing too serious um, I'm sure by the start of next week we'll, be, we'll, we'll have a full bill of health hopefully
4: thank you Andy hi
2: just on that are Johnny Sexton and James Ryan are they on course to be fit for virtually they are
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. just one more for me then are you worried about the team's form so far in the championship after those two defeats and if whether or not it could affect the team's confidence going forward
5: um, concerned about the form, I suppose. When you when when you uh, analyze the games, you know you can you can you can look at it all sorts of ways, can you? Really, you know, uh, regarding the the, the 14 man and uh, game against Wales, and uh, you know we play some decent rugby against against those, and you know was we unlucky not to win. Uh, I, I don't believe it. Unlucky, you know. So I, I'm not the type of guy that wants to make any type of excuses, you know, of, of anything that's happened within the squad. And I suppose uh, form, uh, not as much results. Obviously, results are pretty, pretty important for us um, in regard to. In regards to the Six Nations, we've lost two, and that's 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 the reality, you know. So we need to get back on the horse and, and put in a good performance and, and result against against Italy. Hey, and um, can I just ask um, you about the three positive cases in,
4: in French camp, um, the COVID cases, and obviously it transfers their training against the France 7s who now have a, an outbreak. It seems are you concerned about that? And what's the latest from, from your guys' side?
5: Yeah, um, well, we've 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 all been thoroughly tested. We normally get tested maybe uh, twice a week. Um, we uh, we had some downtime uh, on on Monday and we got tested uh, in our own time there. So all that's come back negative, and then all the lads got tested again on, on, on Wednesday to come into camp fit on on Thursday, and we're getting tested again on Friday. So we're, uh, we're literally up to the nose in it really regarding testing's concern. But we're doing everything now, everything that we can to to make sure that we do the right thing. Andy, just to go back back on the first question when Corky asked you about your concerns around the the attack and you were saying behind the scenes you're confident in where you're going at the moment but what are the changes you can make I suppose on a short-term basis with the the coming games against Italy, Scotland and England? Yeah, um, yeah the, the the biggest thing for me, the biggest thing for me is um, is is our understanding of our game understanding uh, but at the same time uh, understanding where the space is you know and uh, like I keep saying to you boys I, and I ain't trying to make this uh, complicated at all because it's not complicated it's it's unbelievably simple. The run, kick, or pass element, as far as game understanding or decision making is concerned, is what's is where you can put pace onto the ball. You know, sometimes it's in front of you, sometimes it's to the side of you, sometimes there's no option whatsoever other than to 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 run with brute force and and, and do your best. You know, to do all that, you've got to be set and ready to go um, and, uh, as a team, nice and early in the piece, because you don't get time at international football to do anything different if you're not set nice and early. Uh, though, therefore, those spaces. That you would normally set up at pro 14 level etc tend to be there um uh, 30 seconds later and they're not anymore so we are creating opportunities through our game understanding um are we seeing all those opportunities that we're creating or executing on on those opportunities that we're creating no um not not at this moment in time that's that's obviously the work on and um and, and that's where we need to get to
4: and how much scope is there given
5: to the players to To take an opportunity and play with the see in front of them on the moment. Well, again, you know, we can't complicate that because that's—I don't know—I don't know a team that—I don't know a coach really that's ever said to them, "Don't take an opportunity." You know, don't take what's in front of them. Um, It's showing the pictures constantly of of what they need to be able to do to execute um, that is 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 uh, is key for us and. Uh, gone are the days now where it's just up to the halfbacks to see those um, you know it ain't just up to the centres or the, or the outside guys to, to be able to do that it's a team issue you know and uh, we all need to be on the same page regarding that
3: Andy uh, already some of the pundits are starting to talk about pressure that comes with the gig but as head coach uh, how do you deal with that
5: I've dealt with it all my life uh it's you know you you either embrace the pressure or you get buried by it um i enjoy it you know it makes you feel alive um uh you know that when you when you're taking the gig on um i believe if you've not got pressure in your life you know it's not living it's not it's not living anyway so um it goes with the territory i suppose the big
3: red bench saturday and sunday from six